Hi folks. On this episode, I speak with the co-founders of KlimaDAO, a project that aims to fight climate change via the Klima token, a digital currency backed by real carbon assets. KlimaDAO's goal is to accelerate the price appreciation of carbon assets. A high price for carbon forces companies and economies to adapt more quickly to the realities of climate change and makes low carbon technologies and carbon removal projects more profitable. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. So guys, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Archimedes, Dionysus, you know, you're an ONS um, with cool names. I'd love you to tell me a little bit about how you landed, you know, into crypto and how you, I guess, decided to to take on an anon role and yeah tell me about that just just a bit on the anon name um yeah there's a lot of people that i think do this in crypto and part of it is this culture of meritocracy and things just being uh about what you're contributing what you're bringing to the table um and uh, you know i think that's kind of kind of neat um it's a bit different than than maybe what some people are used to uh so yes dionysus uh background in the carbon markets been Messing around in DeFi for probably the last uh, three, well, two and a half years, more so, but been in blockchain technology for a bit longer than that, and uh, yeah, kind of got connected with the Climadel crew, just doing some climate work, you know, and and working to understand the environmental impact of of different blockchain technologies, actually, and uh, yeah, everybody on the team kind of came with some different talents, but there was this overlap of uh, crypto interest and also environmental interest mm. as well and yeah that's that's basically how everything got started cool throw to archimedes what is my background this is always a fun fun conversation <laughs> <laughs> uh so like like dionysus i'm i'm very much in the same boat i come from a background of climate engineering i suppose my actual background is electrical engineering and environmental engineering i hold two degrees in that sense um and i've always kind of like I wanted to venture into that space like for years now and i used to work in various sectors um my dark history is i used to work in oil and gas <laughs> we're turned a corner we're gonna environmental solutions there like trying to like help stuff out but um and then now i kind of i've made the full the full switch but um yeah i got in, i got into crypto like five six years ago uh, I mean, I was using it way before that just for like tr- internet transactions in general. Like there were things I needed to buy here and there. Um, and then I got into mining like about five years ago and I started, uh, yeah, just started like tinkering like a little bit more seriously with crypto. Like it was more of like, mm. not so much a user, but uh, just like, how do I participate in the network? And I got more and more interested into it. And I really started digging. I was like, all right, so how do I get a job here? Or, like how do I work on stuff? Um, those types of things. And I was really, you know, pushing, looking for work. And I worked on all sorts of things over the years, developed various different products, prototypes, everything from MVPs to production grade stuff that you see on Ethereum and mainnet Polygon today. So lots, lots definitely that, that I've definitely worked on. And then, so the, the CleanBidow crew and like all the people that we use are all people we kind of met, uh, working on various things. We came from different ideas and different groups. Um, and then we said, well, why don't we build something super cool? Uh, and we, we like hummed and hawed on like a cool idea for a long time where we never really kind of like 
had a good plan until we saw the Olympus DAO kind of a community kind of emerge and we said, huh, that's really neat. What if we applied this to carbon markets? Mm. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we started like tinkering and of course, you know, yeah, the rest is history. We're here. We are today, you know, sitting on a project that's just you know started in October last year and has already made a significant dent on the carbon markets. Well, let's jump into that. Well, let's firstly let's just zoom out a little and just give us a view on the first timers pitch on what not pitch. You're not selling this to anyone. I, I mean, first timers explanation on what Klimadao is. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'll give my sure. explanation of it, and then the Dionysus can probably give his. Fundamentally, Klimadao is a liquidity engine for on-chain carbon markets, denoted in its own currency, which is noted as Klima. Um, it's a lot more broad than that in terms of like what it can do and like its applications, but fundamentally, it's what that is. It, it enables this whole economy and term that's emerged in the last few months called refi, like regenerative finance, uh, where you can actually create these markets and, and build really broad, robust liquidity books for, for carbon in general. Um, I think that's fundamentally what we are. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the, the core of it. Klima's role is to create a really robust and deeply liquid on-chain carbon market. And there's a lot of reasons that you would want to do that, which, you know, maybe we can dive into a bit. Um, but, you know, first and foremost is just that the, the current voluntary carbon market is quite siloed. You have a lot of different players making uh, opaque OTC deals uh, between different traders, brokers, retailers, and, and eventually the end customer. And by bringing these things onto the blockchain, by building composability uh, you know, between different types of, of carbon assets, et cetera, you are helping um, build out liquidity, build transparency. It's a more secure system uh, and it allows for, for better uh, price discovery, essentially. So these are all things related to uh, a great group called the, the Task Force for Scaling the Voluntary Carbon Markets. They're really looking for a solution here uh, to drive more finance into carbon markets uh, and to scale them up. And Klima is, you know, in, in our view, it's really that that first, you know, I suppose, like strong application of blockchain technology to a market like this, where it really makes sense, right? Like what, what blockchain offers and what DeFi offers in this circumstance is something that can really empower this market. And uh, it's it's been an exciting past well, four months now almost. Yeah, I, I, I followed the project and I mean, I think one, one thing that's really interesting about the way you describe Klimadao is, is that it's a black hole for carbon. I'd like you to unpack that a little bit because it's a really catchy phrase, but tell us a little about, a bit about that mechanic and why, and why that's important. It's, it's a phrase that we're uh, moving away from in some ways, um, just because I think a, a more accurate way to look at what we're doing is that you know we're incentivizing liquidity, carbon liquidity, to come on chain, uh, and we have some you know interesting incentive mechanisms based on Olympus DAO uh, to to you know bootstrap that at first. We're now at the stage where we're building up, uh, let's say, a more mature on chain carbon market where there's other players that are also bringing in demand uh, and helping you know spur trading activity. But in terms of the the Olympus mechanics, if that's something that we if you'd like us to go a little bit deeper into, uh, perhaps Archie, you're the you're the expert on the, the tokenomics side. I think it'd be great for you to 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 just paint a little narrative of where you started <clears throat> with this, and I'm really interested in hearing about where you're going because I have noted that you know you started with one 
um, you know, I guess Klima has a treasury, right? So it's a DAO. It it holds a treasury. And, you know, speaking as an outsider here, that, that in, in its first instance, that treasury was, uh, was, from what I understand it, a particular type of on-chain carbon credit. Um, so yeah, how, how did that start? What, 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 what drove you to the decision for that particular credit? Maybe it was the only one at the time. Um, and tell me about, you know, the, the mechanic and how we, you know, I guess how you're thinking about it now. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. So if, I mean, at a high level, if you're familiar with how Olympus works, but I mean, we'll cover it in two seconds, which is basically they offer bonds, uh, which offer the ability to purchase a currency from the protocol at a discount from what the market rate is. And that's all algorithmically controlled. There's smart contracts that govern that. Basically, we've operated the same thing, uh, except for there's one very key difference. And the key difference is we don't denote our currency in dollars. It's denoted in carbon. So you actually pay in carbon tons, on-chain carbon specifically. Uh, we started with BCT from the Toucan protocol, base carbon tons, in October last year. And since then, we've moved on to also MCO2s. Uh, and there's like two other companies now basically pushing their own tonnage, which is Flow. They were supposed to release this week or next week, sometime in March. And then C3 launched today. So that they have their own tonnage as well that's coming on chain um fundamentally that's what this this is all done and that's basically where you got to start with this uh the olympus mechanics allow you to basically take in a type of asset and by issuing another asset so you end up becoming this like protocol that controls and governs liquidity for a particular asset type and incentivizes it based on its own uh goals aspirations and so so forth in Klima's case like our entire mo is to facilitate and create the on-chain carbon economy so there's you know as soon as there is you know viable methods for carbon on chain we basically provide utility for it and, and allow for the liquidity provision for it through the use of bonds so just to unpack that a little bit you guys essentially people sell to you so to speak a carbon credit an on-chain carbon credit you guys then hold that in treasury and, and issue a a token against that, right? Is that that's that's how that bonding process works? Correct. And that token then gives the user kind of reflects a little bit of the underlying liquidity. What does KlimaDAO, the protocol, do with the underlying treasury? How does it deploy? And and if you could explain a little bit about what you mean by liquidity for for users who might not understand that, I think it'd be really great for listeners who who don't who don't yet kind of get what that means. It'd be great if you could tell us about where you are deploying that. That treasury. So nowhere is kind of the answer. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. There's two parts of how this treasury is used or maintained and, and also kept at the date. So Olympus introduced a mechanic never before seen in DeFi known as uh, protocol-owned liquidity. Basically what this means is that the protocol itself owns the LP tokens for its own liquidity on various automated market makers like Uniswap, SushiSwap, QuickSwap, whatever. The same is true of KlimaDAO. So KlimaDAO owns the liquidity tokens uh, that represent the liquidity for the automated market maker, which means a couple things. You get one assurances that the protocol itself will never remove the liquidity. So that liquidity will remain in that automated market maker forever, unless decided to buy the community to remove it through governance. Uh, which you know, no one, no one would decide that. <laughs> it would be uh, unwise. And then you have this other assurance, which is that as long as the protocol continues, that liquidity 
deepens. So you have much more uh, robust pricing and less slippage as as time goes on. How does how does that happen? What's the what? How does it build up? Is that because you guys accumulate more and more bonds happen, or is it because you guys earn from from the provision of liquidity? You know, how does the how does the protocol improve liquidity? So we issue bonds for LP bonds. So basically, like you create the LP yourself by providing liquidity to the pool. You get the LP token, and then you sell that LP token to Klimadao and get Klima tokens in return. And then we basically sell you Klima for those at a discount. And so those is one way. And then we, of course, with the fees, right? As as more as more and more utilization uh, occurs on these pools, uh, the deeper the liquidity, because the fees just remain within the token, right? They don't actually come out like you don't get like a extra token they have to redeposit. It just sits within there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is like a very interesting uh, mechanic because like basically what it implies is the longer that something exists, the more stable and more secure it becomes. And this is kind of what we've seen. Uh, I mean, in the first opening week of <laughs> ClimaDAO's existence, we basically topped all the volume of 2021 voluntary carbon markets combined. It was like over, I don't know, 400 million traded in the first few days, which is pretty it's nuts. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super, super cool. But it basically gives you an idea, like, because there is this depth of liquidity, you have like the opportunity to have very, very uh, wide and robust markets as a result. Okay, so you mentioned that your you've you know the the origination you know it, it borrowed from that Olympus bonding mechanism that liquidity that protocol and liquidity. I think that's really clear. And then you mentioned that your uh, pivot's not the right word, but you know the focus of the of the DAO now uh, is broadening. So tell me a little bit about obviously you're adding other other types of um, carbon tokenized carbon uh, credits um, to the to the treasury that's 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 a clear thing that you can see if you look at you know the platform and, and the resources but tell me a little bit about the the direction of Klimadao at the moment and 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 you know the the kind of near-term focus I think Archie um, you know commented on us being really a, a decentral bank in some ways a, a carb you know one that's backed by carbon etc uh, and that's helped us kind of shape the market currently on chain and where we're moving now is essentially building utilization of these different assets on chain right so so because clean is incentivized liquidity and you know clean is a trading pair there you can swap between different types of carbon assets on chain of low slippage etc and even incentivize you know quite deep liquidity uh more so than exists on many you know types of carbon exchanges off chain let's say in the legacy carbon market and now we're removing, um, you know, through products like Clima Infinity is actually offering access to these assets on chain to different types of businesses and organizations that may have, uh, you know, climate goals, right? So they'd be able to go through our dashboard and, you know, be able to select different types of carbon assets. Uh, it may be ones that represent uh, something with renewable energy, or it could be forest protection, et cetera. Um, and, you know, they're able to go carbon neutral. Uh, and they're also able to leverage the mechanics of the protocol whereby they can actually um, secure Klima tokens. And because those tokens will always be backed by at least one ton of a, of a carbon offset, they can then compound that over time and, and essentially hedge against future price increases on the market and trade back those Klima tokens at a future date uh, for carbon offsets, which they can then use uh, again for their for their climate strategies. So this is, you know, a type of product that doesn't exist currently mm-hmm. in the sustainability space. And, it, you know, it's super exciting. And of course, because we're existing on the blockchain, as you can imagine, there's a lot of integrations possible, right? You have people that have already 
baked Klima into NFTs, essentially, where that NFT is then accruing uh, more of a, a positive environmental impact over time, essentially. So you can check this out. One that's called CO2 Compound uh, by the artist Sven Eberwein. He was, the, he was the first to really set this up, but it's expanding. Um, you also have protocols that are looking to offset their emissions um, you know, through smart contracts and be able to automatically analyze the emissions associated uh, with their, their products and then pull offsets that exist on chain and then automatically use them uh, to offset their footprint. So, you know, I, I hate to be cliche and say sky's the limit here, but, you know, we know how DeFi works when it comes to these these money Legos. Well, now we're, we're essentially creating uh, sustainability Legos in, in some sense. That's fascinating. I, <laughs> obviously, a lot to, to jump in there. I'd like to keep it at the level of Klimadao. And and in particular, let's just talk about, you know, a, as far as a DAO goes in this space, there's, there's probably, it's it's relatively unique, I think, um, a, a, a sustain, sustainability-focused DAO. What are some of the challenges you, you guys have faced as, it's an early stage project, let's call it super early still. What are some of the major challenges you've faced? I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear about even, you know, how the Infinity product has been received by by the market and 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 by that I mean I don't mean you know the effect on on maybe Klimadao's price but what I mean is how have companies uh, received the the idea is is it something they can understand because it's quite a complex starting point. Certainly, I think one of the major challenges Klimadao has is that we're bridging this DeFi space with like conventional markets, right? And um, DeFi suffers from an interface problem or a UI problem. We should say so. That's definitely something that uh, you know we're, we're pursuing and working on to make that easier for people to basically interact with this this market. At the same time, I think you know we've gotten a lot of feedback from you know major players in the voluntary carbon market that are sort of like let's say industry standards bodies that see the potential of the technology and they're very very curious. But there's still concerns they have around things like. Um, the you know regulation of stable coins or really anything in the crypto space, et cetera. So those are you know it's an uphill battle in some cases. It's it's a bit of an education that needs to be done. Um, but you know I, I think overall crypto is heading in in the direction where uh, over time companies are going to feel more comfortable interacting with this space. So that that'll be beneficial for Kalima. Just just on the underlying um, I guess DAO structure as well. Um, what are some of the things that you know you guys have have experienced throughout this process? Obviously, the there's so many discords out there. There's there's so much activity in the space. How how have you guys managed to uh, with with when it comes to engagement around around the project? Um, are, you, are you finding lots of contributors? How's your experience been so far with the community? It's been really good. I, I can say for myself, like dealing with all the engineering side of it, and I, I work quite heavily in the policy side. Uh, Dionysus works a lot more on the partnerships and the actual ops of the of the whole DAO. So I think at this point, we're I think we're doing payouts today or tomorrow for the last month. But um, we're at like what eighty five contributors, right, or something like that, like active contributors, and then we have like over a thousand people in that Discord who like pop in and out. Yeah, that's one of the I think. Things that was pleasantly surprising to me is how many people we had wanting to be yeah, more or less full-time contributors uh, after launch. We've attracted just an incredible talent pool, uh, people that share this interest of, of not only crypto and what this technology can bring to the world, 
um, but also they have a, a passion for sustainability. So yeah, that, that, that's been great. But you know, there's challenges there too. I think that you, you maybe alluded to, uh, DAO structures, um, you know, can be complex. There, uh, can be, you know, challenges in coordinating, but, uh, I think there's a lot of tools at our disposal to help with that. And, uh, over time we've solidified some, you know, say, uh, great processes to make things more efficient and so on, but, uh, it's early days for DAOs. Right. So I think in, in three years from now, people will look back and, and wonder like how the heck people organized everything and got and basically coordinated and such. Um, but we're getting there. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say there's, a, there's healthy skepticism as well. And that's part of any, you know, emergent space. But we saw some pretty catastrophic um, events around some of the other projects in the space. Um, you know, the time or the Wonderland project, the kind of things that could go wrong seem to go wrong at the level of at the level of the DAO there, uh, mainly because of potentially one individual. And then you see other projects where there's where there's conflicts. It's a really interesting problem set. And I think I think there's going to be lots of development in terms of the tooling and and whatnot. But do you guys with your community, do you guys stay completely anonymous? Do you meet up? Do you, are there is there kind of layers to 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 the DAO? Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, I think in each department, there's like a subculture, if you will. <laughs> Engineering is its own department and policy is its own department. Like everybody's got their own like little niche. And I'm not sure if people meet or where they find out. But like on the surface, everyone is an anonymous user. The reason for this is like it's as Dennis was talking about at the very beginning, like it's meritocracy, right? Like you come in, you prove what you're working on and then you know, then you get, then you get rewarded for it. So you don't, no one comes in saying like, Hey, I'm so-and-so from, you know, XYZ company. I started five foundations or whatever I deserve to be the top. It's, you got to put in the work and, and basically show up what you're, what you're willing to contribute and how much time. Cause that's like one thing that's also really challenging with DAOs is like a lot of these people end up working for multiple DAOs cause they're very skillful and they're in high demand. So people often end up cross pollinating between the two. And then you have to really gauge like, okay, does this person have 10 hours or like 40 hours to contribute to, to this a week? So it's, it's a, it's an interesting challenge for sure. As far as like cultural and like whether or not you want to meet, I know like a lot of people, like a lot of the talent that we've hired recently or not hired, but like basically people we brought on in, into the DAO or people that knew other people really, really well, like in the real world, they were like, Oh, Hey, like I'm working on this. Like you should join. I really think you're talented. Uh, a lot of the really good people that were involved in the Klimadel redesign came from exactly hires like that. They were really, like Massimune is, is a really good example. He's a fantastic designer and he, he came as a recommendation from a number of people. So there's, there's a lot that goes on that way. And, and, and it definitely like some people are friends and, and they kind of move on. But uh, yeah, like policy's got an interesting approach. We do uh, metaverse meetups with headsets. Uh, that's cool so, so, in a, so in a way we uh we're, we're kind of we know who everyone is and we hang out with them but uh like it's there's there's yeah it, it's it varies i think and we, and you when you say metaverse you say you're using platforms video platforms uh, avatar platforms you, you mix it up yeah we were playing we were playing uh rack room playing paintball that's preparing fun. against the like dow wide paintball game it's gonna happen one day <laughs> that's excellent yeah i mean i think what what what's really fascinating about um 
you know, hearing about people's experience in DAOs, is, is the challenges actually sim- similar to, to some of those that you face in, in traditional organizations as well? So in some respects, you know, there's lots of parallels, but then there's some complete divergence. So yeah, that, that was really interesting. Thanks. Just, just to tack on to that, like I think in many ways, DAOs operate structurally the same way as regular organizations do. So they have uh, leaders, like we have set up like, division heads and like people who operate stuff and and then there's like you know each department kind of does its own thing but where it differs drastically is like uh how you judge someone's output and effort instead of like looking at someone's credentials or where they came from or what school they went to or whatever you look entirely on the results they put out and it's it gives you like a completely different metric for okay is this person useless or not like and and then you can you can really very fairly and objectively look at uh, contribution. And it's I think I like to me that's the coolest thing is is we can always like you can always point to something and be like yep this person did this this and this this month they deserve to get paid this much this much you know those types of things. So it's I really really like it in in terms of comparing this to regular like traditional organizations just because of for that reason only like you just, you can truly allow fairness. Um, it's obviously open. There's like people will argue that well, people can abuse that, etc. But like it's the same is true in the real world. Like people can collect a paycheck and never output any work in <laughs> in a real job too. Like so, it's it's not it's not just unique to DAOs in particular. Yeah, that that's agreed. And I think the the flip side of that is is some some works less tangible than others, and some work I think some organizations suit DAOs more than others as well. So my view, and that's a personal view, is that it's a really amazing structure. Um, but it's not necessarily the, the ultimate structure, right? All right. So, so one thing I did want to ask before we before we just kind of cast our eyes on on the kind of over the horizon was was just about the the carbon credits themselves. You know, you guys have explained that you have a background in, in traditional carbon markets, uh, and and you're really interested in in blockchain carbon markets. And just tell me a little bit before we finish up, what is what are the benefits? What, what, why is a, and, and you've talked about transparency. I think that's really a really clear one. You talked about silos. What do these tokens offer that traditional markets don't? And, and, and I think one you know, question that I've got is sometimes you look at the prices of the, of the underlying blockchain carbon credits and they seem to be very different to that which you see you know, in, in traditional markets where, where carbon prices seem to be kind of going through the roof, so to speak. So, so yeah, could you talk to me a little bit about those differences at a, at a kind of more technical level? Yeah, certainly. I think on the the price piece, um, one important distinction is between uh, the the compliance carbon markets, like the European Emissions Trading System, you know, or the the Australian uh, compliance market, and then the voluntary carbon market. Um, that the prices do differ dramatically because they're set up a bit differently there. But then, in terms of on chain, you know, there the tokens that exist on chain right now are basically uh, indices of different types of projects that have certain criteria thresholds, right? Um, could be based on when the credits were issued. That's known as the vintage. Could be based on uh, the technology type of the project. So for example, uh, something that's nature-based or something that is um, you know, just based on like wind power, solar power, et cetera. So, and, and the assumption would be that as liquidity, total liquidity grows on chain, then you can actually subdivide these things further. Uh, and have more specific vintages or technology types, et cetera. And when that starts to happen, then comparing those assets to uh, what exists off chain will be a bit easier because 
these types of pools that, um, in a sense, kind of commodify carbon a bit more and aggregate different types of carbon assets, it, it simply doesn't really exist off-chain. Um, th- there's a few examples, but uh, n- nothing like what's happening on-chain. So um, that's actually one of the, the the benefits, though, in some ways, is that it gives a, a better reference price for a wider rate of credits. Um, and then by having that liquidity in terms of you know being able to source the credits immediately, at a price that's known, you know, that's something that that can just be done, right? You don't have to go through mm. this uh, OTC deal process where there's a lot of contracting, et cetera. It could be a tendering process. Um, you know, customers right now have to uh, essentially send out offers to maybe, you know, five, six, or even 10 carbon brokers and wait to get different feedback from them, et cetera. Um, it's just a very inefficient market. And when you create something that's more liquid, with fungible tokens, um, you know, and you have these different types of, of carbon reference pools, et cetera, it gives a lot more information uh, to companies or, or individuals that would be interested in, in buying these credits to offset their own emissions. And then uh, a final piece on this is uh, the integration potential. So, you know, a, a normal carbon offset right now essentially sits in a a SQL database uh, somewhere. Someone buys it, and uh, it's changed to being, you know, retired and on behalf of someone's name. And that's just retirement of a carbon offset refers to it being, um, well, the, the DeFi equivalent would be burned, where it's basically taken out of circulation, and then the buyer claims its environmental benefit. Um, so anyway, that's all you can really do with a normal carbon offset. But when it's a token, well, now you can use that as collateral. Um, you could have it embedded into another asset like an NFT. Uh, you could have it backing a, uh, you know, a new currency like what Kalima has done, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, borrowing, lending, etc. So these are all ways of, of basically providing a new financial tool set onto the offset and giving it greater utility. Um, and, you know, that that's in essence the power of DeFi. Yeah, I think you, you did mention and you used the word Lego before. I think composability is another word that, that describes this kind of, you know, the upside of using um, blockchain or crypto. Let's, let's, let's use the word crypto here um, to, to and, and the, the more recent developments in, in DeFi and the kinds of tooling that we've seen and the kinds of ideas as well that we've seen generated by by these communities. So it's a it's a green field literally for, for innovation. So um, yeah, maybe maybe that's the the part we you know perfect spot to to leave the conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you know you guys coming on the show and, and telling us about about Klimadal and wishing you all the best for the project. Thank you. It's awesome. Appreciate always it. always great to chat. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com slash learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller and this has been the Crypto Frontier.